Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome back into the early line. Hour number two kicking off here. I'm Danny's Kevin, and we are shining a spotlight here on the Buffalo Bills. If you haven't been watching our show or are new to the early line, first of all, good morning. How are you doing? Right. But what we have been doing is going literally every team and trying to find the futures value right now that and we acknowledge, Kev, that there are still some big time free agents out there, whether it's Freeman, whether it's Clowney or others, Logan Ryan. We've talked about these, but now a lot of free agency has happened. The draft has happened, you know, and we've seen moving lines and we want to try to get ahead of it and get some value. Also, I told you, Kev, I just got my invite to Scotty Fishbowl and, you know, that draft starts in a few weeks. So we got to give everybody some diamonds and fugazis here as well. You know, for Buffalo, I think their biggest move of the offseason is the reason they don't have a number one overall pick, right? They traded their first round pick to the Minnesota Vikings for Stefan Diggs. And I think that's a good move. For me, listen, the, the big narrative here, Kev, is they've had a top five, top 10 defense, right? Year in, year out for the last, I'd say, three, three or four years. The issue, in my opinion, you have a young quarterback, seems like he's taping steps forward, but they didn't have any kind of juice, in that offense, right? They needed to get more dynamic playmakers in that offense. And that was priority number one, it looks like, for the Bills in this offseason. And the biggest piece of it could be bringing on Stefan Diggs to be their new number one wide receiver. Yeah, and, and, I, and I like this is the type of moves that you need to make when you want to try and elevate a quarterback right. like Josh Allen. I think I was very, very hard on Josh Allen when he came out of um, Wyoming. I, you know, he's, he's just... My yeah, he's not a great thrower of the ball. What's happened is what he's able to do as a runner has been able to add a lot of value. He's still not a great thrower of the football. And a lot of Buffalo Bills fans will argue you on that. It's I don't know why. I mean, I think not, he has great arm talent. Right? He can throw arm the ball uh, super far. He's not he, he's not gonna hit the target while he throws it super far. But listen, yeah. like Josh Allen has value. We've seen that. Like the, the funny thing is, if it's going to take people for Josh, you know, for Josh Allen to be the one to make people realize this, it's obvious for certain reasons. But running at the quarterback position has value, believe yeah. it or not, right? Um, it's funny. We don't always say, oh, Josh Allen's going to be injured and never be on my team again. Well, that's fair. the only conversation we have with every other quarterback that's that fair. runs. I think the bringing in Stefan Diggs, here's another reason why, uh, to me, Dan, it was such a great move. The pick that they were going to make, right? Um, probably a wide receiver. Yeah, right? like that Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager range, right? I think they had the twenty-second overall pick. So, well, they traded it to Minnesota, right? And then yeah. what did Minnesota do with that pick? Justin Jefferson, right? right? So that's right where it was, yeah. And so basically, if I were to tell you whether Bills better off with Justin Jefferson or Stephon Diggs, you would tell me Stephon Diggs. Absolutely, especially in the short term to support Josh Allen unless, you know, the financial issues come into play. I also believe they did more things, okay, that I liked in the draft, okay? Zach Moss as a third-round pick I think is a very interesting compliment to Devin Singletary, who they like as a second-year back. You know, Moss I think is underrated, and, you know, there is a path to big-time usage in a kind of interesting timeshare between Singletary and Moss. And I'm going to go even further, you know, when we talked about the depth at the wide receiver position in this draft. I actually, listen, I saw a tape of Gabe Davis, Gabriel Davis from UCF, okay? He's a beast. I got to tell you, Kevin, he is a beast. And you know why I like this pick so much? Because he's also kind of a good at the point of the catch kind of guy. He's not the crisp route runner, but he's someone who can box out and go get it, okay? 6'2", 216. He tracks the ball really well. So so Stefan Diggs, while a great wide receiver, is not a tall, big-bodied wide receiver, neither is Cole Beasley in the slot. Neither is Smoke John Brown, who's definitely a deep threat, but doesn't go up and get it. And so I think Gabriel Davis also can play an interesting role. Remember, Kev, I even had him as like an honorable mention when we did the top 10 rookie wide receivers. And I do think it's because he can play a role with his size. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch Josh Allen with this wide receiver core because it has a little bit of everything, as you've mm-hmm. kind of just alluded to there. 
if Josh Allen is going to take that step forward, we're going to find out this year. I know this would this might sound a bit far and a bit drastic for Bills fans, the idea of moving on from Josh Allen. But you have to look at what's around you right now, and it's a consistent top five-ish defense thanks to a lot of talent and yeah. Sean McDermott being incredible. And an offensive group now that offers a lot. Now, we'll see how this season plays right. out. But if their season falls short and it's because of Josh Allen, then they're going to have to have an interesting conversation because there are likely to be, Dane, a lot of options out there, right? The idea that they could tomorrow have Cam Newton replace Josh sure. Allen is obviously not something they're going to do, but it's something that's probably going to sit in their minds. And when it comes to next season, could influence a decision. Now, I'm not telling you Josh Allen's going to fall short. And in fact, I think this is going to overall be a very positive season for this Buffalo Bills team. I'm just, I'm just saying this is a very, very important season for him, as for Sam Darnold, as You're for right. Baker Mayfield, all those guys that are from the same exact draft class. No, I, I agree with that, and I'll even add more to it, okay? Because they went out and got him weapons, right? Now, and I've said this before in other places, like, now the spotlight shines on you, Josh Allen. I actually think he will take a step forward, but to me, I liken it less so than Baker or Sam Darnold, more like Drew Locke, right? Because they went out and got him weapons, and now you've got no excuse. It's almost like the Drew Locke, Dak Prescott idea. You got no excuse, quarterback. Let's see what you can do. I'll also say some things. Listen, I think they got better on the defensive side of the ball. Also, Kev, think about this. They bring in Mario Addison. They bring in Josh Norman, okay? Both of those guys who have experience with McDermott down in Carolina. They draft A.J. Epinesa as well. Remember, Larry Hughes and Addison, who they brought in, are both on the wrong side of 30, so they bring in Epinesa as well. What do you think? Do you think this is going to have be another top-tier defense? I think so. I mean, last yeah. year they were sixth. The year before that, they were second. Yeah. They've just been consistently very, very good under Sean McDermott. And if you remember that year where they got off that first two-game start where they got blown out by the Chargers and they got blown out by the Ravens, and it was like, oh, is this going to be the worst team in football? What happened is Sean McDermott, again, got started to get his fingerprints all over this team, and they just turned into a very, yeah. very good defensive unit. I think the Josh Norman point is really one of my favorites, Dane, because – there's something to be said about a guy returning yeah. to a place where he had the most success of his career. I mean, Josh With the Norman. coach, at least, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, Josh Norman was the best corner in the league for a season. That's a Walking around with baseball happened. bats threatening people pregame. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a wild scene. <laughs> um, but that's a real thing that happened, right? Yes. Like he Ariel was, Addison fits the same mold here from Carolina. Yeah. So I'm. And I don't mind that, like going to a guys that you were able to get a lot out of and bringing oh, them yeah. in. Philip Rivers joining up with Frank Reich, Teddy Bridgewater joining up with Joe Brady. This is Nick Foles, your boy, joining up with Filippo. We've seen this before. So here's the thing then, right, Dan? When we look through this football team yeah. and they are now only co-favorites with the Patriots, right? Defensively, where the Patriots are supposed to have the gap. They don't have the get. They don't have the better defense. They don't. I take the Bills defense. And if you take the Patriots defense, okay, by how much? Right. And then go to the offensive side of the football. Yeah. And let's pretend you think Jared Stidham is better than Josh Allen, which you don't, which nobody does. But There's let's no evidence to suggest that. Not one. Not, not Nothing he did at Auburn. I'll nothing take the Bills in wide receiver room. I'll take the Bills running back room. I'll take the – the offensive line maybe could be a push. Maybe, but right? with, with Dante out. I'll take the defense. You're absolutely right. It, yeah, it's, it's all the mystique and aura. But the, the thing, it's not, and I don't, I'm almost to the point where I don't even know if it's Mystique and Nora as much as it is fear of looking stupid. Stupid, That's right. what it is. Everybody um, is rushing to call it the fall of Rome, and they yeah. proved you wrong time and time again. I want to get to the numbers, though, on Buffalo, Kev. So, to your point, right, they are co-favorites with the New England Patriots to win the AFC East. That in itself as a sentence is crazy to say. Right. And, but I find it interesting. That's why we did the Patriots yesterday, Kev. The Patriots win total was nine heavy juice to the under. Here's where we see a slight difference. The Bills are eight and a half. 
but heavy juice to the over. Their playoff, yes, minus 158, no, plus 122. Uh, Co-favorites for the AFC East, like I said, at plus 130, 13-1 to to win the AFC. I'll give you a couple of superlatives ones as well. If Josh Allen does take a monstrous step up for the new division champs, he's 50 to one to win the MVP. Um, Sean McDermott is 18 to one, like the fourth or fifth choice to win coach of the year. If they all of a sudden, you know, take the mantle of AFC East champions and I'm high on their rookies. Kev, I really am Zach Moss in particular. You know, we talk about the path and yes, this is a quarterback award. But if the Bills do really well, and they are a punch-you-in-the-mouth kind of running team, and Zach Moss can, you know, become the lead dog over Devin Singletary, I'm not saying all these things will happen, but it's 55-1. to I think that is worth, you know, a quarter of a union or so. Where are you going to play these Buffalo Bills? Let me just double-check. Where are they for a yes playoff bet? Minus 158. Man, I mean that is a big gap from where the Patriots are. I mean, I mean, this is a team the that Pats made the playoffs. One forty or plus one. The Pats were Pats were like plus one sixty to for no. I think they were yeah, close the to like Pats minus two hundred. Minus two hundred five. Yes, plus one sixty five. No, the Bills are minus one fifty eight. Yes, plus one twenty two. No, so they believe the Pats are better, but it's close, right? The nine versus the eight and a half. The, the Pats are ten to one for the AFC, yeah. whereas the Bills. Are 13 to 1. They're keeping him co-favorites, but they're giving the slight edge by a nose to the Pats. So the to me, I think one of the things that we're seeing here is not only the uh, potential overrating of the New England Wait. Patriots, but maybe a bit of an underrating when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. And here's the one thing that I will say that I'm very grateful uh, Gabe Morenci is not on the call for, okay? <laughs> because I tried to uh, approach this subject once on air, and boy, was it not welcomed. Uh, but it is the quality of wins that this team had last year. And if you look through it, I mean, they were beating just all of the bottom feeders, right? Like, they got the Dolphins while the Dolphins still didn't know how to win football games. Right. They got the Jets. They got the Jets. When when C.J. Mosley got hurt, they were losing right. week one. But then C.J. Mosley went down and there was a big right. change, like a tight game at the very beginning. They got Eli Manning. They got the Cincinnati Bengals. They right. got the Washington Redskins. They beat the Titans in a game where the Titans were still starting, not only still starting Mariota, but Ryan Suckup missed like five field goals. I mean, you go through it. The two things that happened, though, to me, and this is why I'm excited about Buffalo, were the wins over Dallas and the wins over Pittsburgh. And that is why, to me, they are more legitimate, and I think they are an underrated football team. All right, we're going to find out. With all that context, we do what we love best here on the early line. We go game by game. Eight and a half is the total. Remember, you had the Pats seven and nine. Do we have a new champion in the AFC East? We will find out, as per Kevin, when we come back. We're giving you the edge. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, everybody. Welcome back into the early line. I'm Dane. He's Kevin. And we are now looking at the Buffalo Bills schedule. Earmuffs, Mr. Morenci, because we're going to do it as objectively as possible. I don't want to go through a table. But, Kevin, one note. <laughs> Honestly, I think the NFL is high on the Bills this year. Okay? And I'll say that because they have four primetime games, Kev. You know, the Bills, you rewind a few years ago, they were one of those teams like the Jaguars and the Titans, right, mm -hmm. that have that one random week four Thursday night game. But they've got four games on primetime this year. And to me, that is an inkling that the NFL thinks that this team will be in the mix, an interesting team to watch, and they want more eyes on this squad. Yeah, I, I actually remember last year, they were one of the first times like, a, a game got flexed. Right. And I was like, yeah, primetime Josh they arrived. <laughs> like, good for, like, good for them, man. Um, they're a team that it's kind of easy to root for, I think, in, in a number of ways. Mainly, maybe it's because I'm a wrestling fan and they put people through tables. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, there, there was just something about that Buffalo team. I, I told you, I was 
I was skeptical of them because of how their wins came. But mm-hmm. though the win against Dallas on Thanksgiving in Dallas, right. again, like we've gone through the schedule with Dallas. What an intro. I can't wait to talk about that. Let's go through the schedule with Let's Buffalo. Just talk about it. Let's do yeah. that. All right. Here we go. Remember with the context of the eight and a half win total. And remember with the context, I believe you had the Patriots yesterday, seven and nine. So let's see how the Buffalo Bills do. Do we have a new standard bearer in the division? They start off at home against the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Last year, this was a week one matchup where C.J. Mosley got hurt. A lot of things went down. This time it's in Buffalo. What do you say? So I'm going chalk here. With that being said, this is the type of game yes. where you can see the opposite result Both changing teams. changing everything that you thought going into the season. The Jets last year had this game week one. Yeah. It slipped through their hands miserably, and it really messed up their season. Oh, Injuries yeah. then, but right. it really like it put them on a path towards what was a bit of a, a disaster-ish type season. If the Jets are able to go into Buffalo and get an upset, this changes the entire course of the division. I'm going chalkier with the caveat of it's a really important game. Fair enough. Maybe you'll take the Jets with the points in week two. They go from Buffalo down to South FLA where it's probably going to be humid to see the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, again, like out the gate, two division matchups, man. Yeah. Like the chance for Buffalo to be 2-0 and is massive. The chance for them to, to slip up here, it, it, what an important start for them. Again, I've got them getting the win. I put in my notes this is an under type of football game, which I do right. believe. Um but, man, what a start to the season for them where two games that they're going to be expected to win, but it's, you, could, you could so easily see how it goes the other direction. Absolutely. They go back home, back up the eastern seaboard, and this is a 1 o'clock start on the east with the Rams flying across country to see them. You got the Bills uh, getting off to a great start? So here is the thing. The Bills are facing the Rams who are not flying across country. Uh, where are they coming they're from? They're coming from Philly. And, they, ah. and Sean McVay said that they're going to stay out they east. Stay outside. Now, okay. I still don't know what that means, right, in terms of like, oh, the travel's eliminated. I've been okay. sleeping in a hotel every single night for, you know, now 14 days. I'm leaning home with the Rams – or with the Bills, rather, excuse me. I'm leaning home team with the Bills. But we are now three for three on games, Dane. Yeah, they had a coin flips. Easily talk me into the other side. Easily talk me yep. into the other side. No, I understand. So you are leaning Buffalo. You got them out of the gates quick. 3-0. and oh, Josh Jeez. Allen and that MVP bet will start to be talked about. They go on the road and they go to Vegas to see the Raiders in week four. Yeah, I think this is a nice spot for Vegas to get a bit of an upset here. I think you'll, you'll find that a lot of those Vegas wins will probably sneak up on you. And I think this is one of them. Okay, back-to-back road games. They're from Vegas. Then they go to Tennessee to see who you think is the top 10 quarterback in Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I do I do think that the Titans uh, are set up for maybe a pretty nice season, and I, I like them to win this football game. Fair enough. So three and two. Remember, streaky, winning three in a row out the gate, then having these back-to-back road losses. They come back home to nurse their wounds. They have a prime time. It's the short week. Okay, they're home on Thursday night football. So I know you like that, but I know you don't like the opponent coming to town because it's the defending Super Bowl champion, Patty Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Just a ridiculously tough matchup, man. But to me, I I pulled myself towards going with the home team on a Thursday night game. It's also a part of these exercises. Got to get the Chiefs some losses, right? Exactly. I can't have a (laughs) 16-0 Chiefs football team. I'm giving them a, a tough yeah, on the road short rest Thursday night to who you think could be a playoff team is as good of an opportunity as any to give the Chiefs a loss. I agree with that. You have them four and two. Uh, the Bills then go to MetLife Stadium to see the Jets. They're done with the Jets after seven weeks of the season. This one is at MetLife. Yeah, this is a, it's a mini buy situation again, where I'm gonna lean on the mini buy. I'm gonna lean on Buffalo potentially being high off of that win against okay. the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. I'll say this. If that Buffalo game was on a Sunday night, I right. think I'd like the Jets. The okay. mini-buy allows like them the mini to... Here. Uh, yeah, it allows them to enjoy the, the spoils of victory and then get back on track for a big, big game against the Jets. All right. Uh, you have them 5-2. and two, Okay, 5-2. Mm-hmm. and two. And then, remember this, because I remember you had the Patriots at around 500 for the first part of the season. Right. So here, week eight, you would have the five and two and AFC East leading Buffalo Bills welcoming something like the three and four or four and three Patriots into Buffalo. This is November 1st, 
2020. This could be the day when the division changes over. Do you have Buffalo getting it done at home against New England? Yeah, I sure do. I mean, what a big game! What a what a big game this is for Buffalo, mind you. Based on the predictions that I've given out here, the Patriots are on the back of beating the Niners, right? right. So you know that people are gonna be like, "Oh, New England's gonna turn it on," but I, I still like Buffalo, man. I think that Bills defense against Jared Stidham should be quite the issue, considering the troubles that they gave Brady all last season. Listen, the the, the Patriots needed like a blocked punt to beat Buffalo last year. Okay, so but just for context, you have the Bills now getting this one, getting to six and two in the first half of the season with this loss. I believe that would set the Patriots down to four and four. Um, So this is them now in the second half of the season working with a two game margin against Bill Belichick. So let's see what happens. They stay home and welcome the Seahawks who fly across country, I think, for them in the dreaded one o'clock Eastern start. I've mentioned for Seattle, though, they actually are good in this spot. Now, and I've handed them a couple losses, Atlanta, okay. Miami, but I had to get them some wins somewhere. And I think almost, it's weird, the better the opponent, the more I like Seattle on this right. type of travel spot here. And I'm going with the Seahawks to upset. Upset Buffalo in Buffalo? Um... I think because in Buffalo, uh, they would probably be favored. Let's put it this way. If they're 6-2, and two, like you say, they'll be favored. Week 10, they go out into the desert to see Kyler Murray mm-hmm. and the Cardinals. Quick note on this one. This is the, uh, as per quarterbacks, the number two and three rushers mm. in the league. Kyler Murray had about 540 yards rushing last year. It was Josh Allen with 510, third amongst quarterbacks. Their combined total just gets does not. Get above Lamar Jackson, though. But I digress. They're in Phoenix yeah. to see the cards. Yeah. So this is a uh, this is where bye weeks come into play more ah. than just their immediate weeks. The Cardinals are two weeks removed from a bye. Notice we haven't gotten to the Bills bye week yet. No, it's coming up after so this. This is a tough, tough spot for them to travel to Arizona, who should be fresh. And I like the Cardinals. All right, so you have them six and four after 10 weeks. Now, listen, they were riding high after that Patriots mm-hmm. when you have them losing two in a row. So maybe a great time for the bye to happen, right? They get their bye in week 11, then they go back home. I know the way you feel about teams playing home games after the bye. Add to this that this Los Angeles Chargers team they're going to see, I think, is flying across the country for the one o'clock start. Yeah, tremendous, tremendous schedule spot for the Bills. Justin Herbert, Tyrod Taylor. Yeah. This this is a great great spot for the Bills. All right. The seven and four Bills then go to Monday night football in a very tough spot uh, to see San Francisco on the road while they stand at seven and four. Do you see you'll start to see this schedule gets very difficult it towards does. the back end I'm of the looking season. at it. It does. You're right. It gets real, real bad. So a Monday night primetime in San Fran, of course I like the Niners in this spot. All right, you got them then seven and five right there in the mix heading into the final quarter of the season. A lot of people are going to see the Bills, okay? Two primetime, three of the last five weeks of the season. The Bills are in prime time, okay? And you have them at seven and five, so they're going to be there fighting it out. This was a primetime game Monday night against San Francisco. Then the next week they get back home Sunday night football against another team who I think we both believe will like be in the mix here on some level. It's the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to Buffalo on Sunday night. This could be a huge game in the wow. AFC. Their schedule is is harder than I even could have imagined, man. I mean, off of a semi-short week, primetime spot, Pittsburgh Steelers. Is in Buffalo. Yeah, it is. I'm going to lean with the home team Bills. It feels like a coward's pick, though, um, because I I feel like I'm almost looking ahead here to some other Mm. uh, schedule spots where I'm not going to be kind to them, and I don't want this team to lose out pretty much i see fair enough so then after that win, the eight and five bills will travel to mile high or in vesco field whatever it's called these days i believe also you know how when we see on these schedules kev in weeks like 15 and 16 they do the the two different dates because this is when it may be starting to have saturday games and i just kind of feel kevin like bills broncos with these teams kind of hovering around the wild card berth or being like slightly over 500 this reeks to me of a saturday afternoon spotlight game i don't know what you think but bills in denver to see the broncos week 15 
this could be a lot. This could be a lot up for grabs. Here, yeah. Right. I mean, Denver's going to be. Right. Trying you to have the Bills at eight spot. five. Right. I could see the Bill, the Broncos at like seven and six or six and seven, still in the mix in this game. Absolutely. What do you say? Uh, I'm gonna roll. I'm gonna roll with Denver here. Um, at home. Wow. Yeah, that's a tough call. That's a real tough call. All right. So eight and six. You have the Bills at eight and six. Then remember the Pats. I'll probably like one game back of them in this one, right? And then, bang, Monday night football. The last Monday night football game of the season. You have the eight and six Bills to what I think would be the seven and seven Patriots in this, you know, in this matchup. No, I think the Patriots were a little bit further back than that. Because if okay. I remember correctly Six. yesterday, I gave this win to the Patriots as uh, they what I got to seven and nine. Thing, so fair yeah. enough, but this is going to be, you know, listen, sphincters are going to get tight up in, you know, upstate New York in this one on I a mean, Monday I'm night gonna, week 16 yeah. with a one game lead in the division sure. going to Bill Belichick. I'm excited for this one. Yeah. I'm going to, for continuity. I mean, I have to give it to, I have to give it to new England. Um, so yeah, real quick because we only got a minute left in this segment. Um, then the eight and seven Patriots host in January when I don't think it's going to be nice and warm. Host Miami coming up and probably Tua. Yeah, so so I like the Bills then to close it out with a win there. You have them as nine and seven. Okay, their win total is eight and a half. That's right on the number, but it is a full two games better than you had the New England Patriots. We continue the Buffalo Bills conversation, a very interesting team, and we're bringing some friends to talk about the Bills as well. Keep it locked right here. It's the early line on SportsGrid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, giving you the edge right here on SportsGrid. And we're focused today on a very intriguing team, the Buffalo Bills. We bring in our guy, Ryan Talbot. He covers the Bills for NewYorkUp.com. And, Ryan, I got to ask you, because for me, and we were talking about this, job number one in this offseason was to get Josh Allen some kind of high-octane support, right? Their defense is not an issue, and they've done that, right, with, with Stephon Diggs coming in, drafting Zach Moss, bringing in even Gabriel Davis, who I think can play a role as a rookie. I want to ask you this. I saw a quote from Nate Burleson about Josh Allen, where he said he's been in the shadow of Tom Brady, and now he can create his own sunlight. Do you buy that? Like, do you think Josh Allen takes a step forward now? He has all the toys. He has all the bells and whistles. All eyes are on him. Will he deliver? Uh, I think he will deliver this year. And, and you're right. The, the number one thing that he needed this offseason was a number one wide receiver. Anyone that watched that wild card lost the Texans saw that Duke Williams was the <laughs> highest targeted player in that game. Now, you know, some of that must have fallen on the offensive game plan or maybe credit to what the Texans were doing because – John Brown and Cole Beasley, for whatever reason, were not getting the looks maybe they should have. Um, but, you know, I think after that game, maybe that game was a blessing in disguise, blowing that 16 to nothing lead and losing, because I think maybe then they said, okay, we really need a number one wide receiver to make this 11 personnel work, to make this offense go. And now you have Stefan Diggs, you have John Brown and Cole Beasley, yeah. uh, the latter of those two, both having career years in certain areas with the Bills in their first year last year. So, I, I think that that's gonna, going to help Josh Allen. Uh, the continuity of this entire offense, he, he still has the same offensive coordinator. He still has the same offensive line returning. You have Singletary returning for year two, Dawson Knox returning for year two, a guy that has high upside as long as he can get those drops under control. So like you said, all the bells and whistles are there. So yes, if Josh Allen can take the same type of steps that he made from year one to year two and, and transfer that from year two to year three, I think that there is some truth to what Nate Burleson said. So, Ryan, let me ask you this. I, I think back to what they did last year, 
And they had a great record, but I looked at it, and it's like, all right, they've beaten the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Jets, and the Redskins. And I was like, "Ah, I don't know how for real this is. But then they had that Thanksgiving win over the Dallas Cowboys, and then they got that big-time win over the Pittsburgh Steelers, and they had that wild-card game. And I know they lost it, but they had that game. Do you feel like they kind of proved themselves and have set themselves up now to take what they were able to do last year and build on it and be even better than they were last year? I really do. And you know, you guys have already pointed out this defense has been pretty much a, a top five unit since Sean McDermott came along. And, you know, Sean McDermott's not the only one that deserves credit. Leslie Frazier, mm. outstanding defensive coordinator, uh, a guy that I was actually surprised to not get some head coaching interviews. Well, we all know why that's the case. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, well, I, you know, if they do it again, a top in their top five unit again, I really hope that he does get that those looks. He he deserves another shot at being a head coach in this league. Uh, outstanding leader. Doesn't he's not that guy that's fiery. He's not that guy that's you're going to see yelling on the sidelines. But you don't need that in a head coach or a defensive coordinator, and he's proven that. But you know, you have all the pieces there, and you're right. If you look at the schedule last year, they had a, a pretty nice start to the year in terms of their opponents, uh, having a, a Giants team on that schedule, the Bengals, like you mentioned. But when you look at those games that were against those upper echelon teams, don't get me wrong, they, they went against Duck Hodges in Pittsburgh, but that game was in hmm. Pittsburgh. It was in prime time. Uh, that was that defense is very good, and the Bills were able to grind out a win there. That Thanksgiving Day, I think, on a national spotlight, did wonders to the Bills. If you look at the two Patriots games and the Ravens game, yes, they went 0-3 in those games, but they were in all three of those matchups. Uh, the first game, you know, Josh Allen against the Patriots goes out with a concussion, and Matt Barkley actually gets them right on the doorstep. They just can't punch it in for that touchdown to yeah, win the game. Win. <laughs> yeah, so uh, this, the second game there, too, you know, Josh Allen misses da- Dawson Knox probably for two touchdowns in that game. He, he hits him right before halftime at the one-yard line to set up a, a score there. Hits John Brown for a deep ball where he kind of torches uh, Stephon Gilmore. So there were flashes there. And even that Ravens game, as ugly as it was at times, that was a one-possession game down to the wire. So... They prove they can hang, and I know that some fans don't like hearing that because they want to see them beat those upper echelon teams. But I think that the Bills are positioned to do so this year. All right, fair enough. And maybe then they're positioned so that those moral victories don't count as much this time around. I got to ask you, though, Ryan, about this running back room, okay? I'm a big-time fantasy guy here on our network, and Kevin knows when I see two guys, two backs, that could be an even timeshare I'm going to take the one with the lower ADP, right? Now, Devin Singletary came on at the end of last year, and obviously, you know, old man Gore, not there anymore. We tip our cap to Frank Gore, of course, but they bring in Zach Moss, okay? And I got to get your thoughts on Zach Moss and what you think the division of labor is going to look like. What are the roles going to be here between Singletary and Moss? Because a quick check of ADP has Devin Singletary being drafted as like the 24th running back off the board as like an RB2. Zach Moss is all the way down on the board as RB50 right now. And to me, th- there's definitely a path where the gap is not that big between them, making Moss an incredible value. How do you think the the pie is going to be cut up when it comes to carries and rolls in the backfield? Well, first and foremost, I, I think getting Zach Moss at that value would be outstanding because I think when he's going to be utilized most is in the second half of that season, uh, of the regular season. That's when you're going to start getting Fantasy into playoffs. the games that are important in the regular season and then the playoffs. So I, I think you're going to ease him along in the beginning. Weeks one through eight, uh, Sean McDermott, unless he has to get rookies onto the field like in year one, uh, Trey White had to get out there by midseason. You had to get Matt Milano out there. If you don't have to get out there, he kind of eases them along, and I think it's actually paid off quite a few times for some of these rookies and young players. And I think they're going to bring him along kind of like they did Singletary last year where Frank Gore was getting the bulk of the carries early on in the year, and and then they were easing Singletary in. Now, there's pretty much no offseason other than up until training camp, it looks Mm -hmm. like. So that could also hurt Zach Moss early on in the year. But if he can come in early and show that he can pick up blitz assignments, I think that's huge for him. If he can come in and be a guy that can pick up those short yardage gains, which I think he can absolutely do between the tackles. And I think he's actually underrated on the outside of the tackles, too. I don't think he's just 
uh, that that bruiser on the inside, kind of like Frank Gore was at that point in his career, or like Chris Ivory was a few years mm-hmm. ago in Buffalo, so on and so forth. I think there's more versatility with Moss, not only as a runner, but also even as a receiver. So uh, I, I think that early on, you know, he could actually kind of be a touchdown vulture as well and, and be that guy at the goal line if they don't want to give it to Josh Allen on the QB sneaks, hand it off to Moss, see if he can kind of punch it in. So if you're patient with Zach Moss, I really think that he could pay off for you in the second half of the season. And like you said, that's around the time when the playoffs come around. And if you have a, a, a sneaky running back like that, we're just kind of waiting in the wings that can help you win a championship in fantasy football. What do you think about uh, this wide receiver core, Ryan? Because last year, John Brown, maybe a league winner for some, he was incredible. Cole Beasley also was able to contribute a ton, but now Stefan Diggs comes in. And I mean, to me, in terms of talent, that's a tier difference between him and the rest of these guys that they have there. Do you expect Stefan Diggs to establish himself as Josh Allen's favorite weapon on a week-to-week basis? Do you think this is going to be something that's maybe spread a bit more even throughout? I'm going to lean toward the latter and spread a little bit evenly throughout. And here's my thinking. If you look at the cornerbacks, especially in the AFC East, mm. there, there's some pretty solid cornerback ones in, in those rooms. And those cornerbacks are going to get Diggs's attention, you know, six times per per year. And you might even get some safety help. And I think that's going to help free up John Brown in some games. And I think there's going to be certain games where they they have Cole Beasley in the slot and he's going to be able to do some damage. But in terms of overall talent, yeah, I think Diggs will end up being Josh Allen's favorite target, especially in those crucial situations. But the way that the NFL works, I, I'm not sure if I would be going out of my way to get digs in a league uh, in fantasy football just because I think that this offense is going to be a, kind of a week-to-week basis. Overall, yes, Diggs will be the number one. He'll be the favorite target. But I don't necessarily think you're going to maybe see that uh, a significant boost in the final stat lines in, in that regard. You know, Kevin, it sounds like our guy Ryan is saying that Buffalo may become something of a fantasy herd and you're going to have to figure it out week to week. You know, I wanted to ask you, Ryan, listen, we've been talking about in this offseason how familiarity is so key given the pandemic, right? And I see Josh Norman, former Panther, go up there. I see Mario Addison, former Panther, go up there with McDermott. Do you think McDermott is going to get more out of these veterans than if they were in other spots? I know they drafted A.J. Epinesa because Hughes and Addison are on the wrong side of 30, but do you think this, you know, top five, top 10 defense even, you know, gets better with some of the additions they made and some of the familiarity with the scheme that these former Panthers are coming in with. Oh, 100%. You know, you look at the defensive line, you you mentioned Mario Addison, you have Vernon Butler, but the big thing there is you also have Eric Washington as your defensive line coach now. He was with Carolina with Sean McDermott. He was the defensive coordinator when Sean McDermott left, or the defensive line coach, I should say, and then promoted defensive coordinator. So he has experience not only with Vernon Butler Mario Addison, he knows Star Latulale a little bit there. Not that you're going to get a lot out of Star in terms of uh, uh, um, sacks or anything flashy sure. like that. You know, Star has his own role. You have A.J. Klein, who obviously was with the Saints before this, but he had some time in Carolina. He knows this mm-hmm. scheme. It, it, Josh Norman, uh, the list goes on and on. I mean, they even did this with uh, special teams, bringing back Taiwan Jones and bringing some people back into the fold. So, yeah. One, having so many familiar pieces back, but then bringing in all these guys that know the defense, that know this scheme, I think it really is going to pay off for Buffalo's defense, special teams, and even on offense where, you know, they bring in a guy like Daryl Williams, who obviously on the side of the ball, but another Carolina guy. They bring in some other offensive linemen that had some experience with Bobby Johnson. So it's all there on on all three phases of the game. So I, I think that the Bills are positioned really well in 2020. All right. Well, there you have it, Ryan. Thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us. I I am now more encouraged on the Buffalo Bills, especially with that consistency and familiarity on defense. Ryan, why don't you tell people how we can find your work throughout the season? Yeah, you can find my work on New York Upstate and Syracuse.com. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan Talbot Bills. Absolutely. I am a former Orangeman, so I know about those winters up there. Do us a favor. Come on back and hang out with us again when, you know, Josh Allen is on his MVP march or something like that. All right. Anytime, guys. Thanks a lot, Ryan. When we come back here on the early line with all this context, Kevin, we got to pick a diamond in the rough and a fugazi for fantasy for the Buffalo Bills. Who are you ready to 
forget about. We will figure it out when we come back. We're giving you the edge here on Sports Grid. Come on back. It's the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back into the early line here on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin, we just had Ryan Talbot on with us. You know, good stuff, good insights, especially, Kevin, you know, I thought I mentioned like Josh Norman, Mario Addison, but he talked about the defensive coordinator being familiar with Carolina, right, and a lot of other pieces there. We've talked about the familiarity and how in this season that even may be even more paramount. I think that's good stuff for the Buffalo Bills defense. Yeah, and that's a team who, you know, when we went through the schedule there, it's tough, right? Like, some of those losses that I gave them maybe at Denver, right? They right. just might be a team that's built to win those type of games. And uh, I thought it was a difficult games that you were talking about. For sure. I, I thought it was a difficult schedule all in all when you peel through it. But I think that they are a very interesting team with a lot of talent. And if there is a leap that is taken by Josh Allen, then they certainly have the ability to not just win the AFC East, which I still would pick them to do even really without a Josh Allen leap. Yeah. But they have the chance to maybe even compete for that buy more than we're giving them credit for. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I hear you. So let me ask you this. With what you heard out of Ryan, with going through the schedule, you had him at nine and seven with a lot of kind of toss-up games in there. Remember, eight and a half, the yes-no, the co-favorites for the division, 13 to one. Any of the superlatives out there, where's your futures money going? The problem is I had them winning five of six division games and right. they were nine and seven and that included a win against the chiefs as well yeah. and a win against the pittsburgh steelers now that makes up seven of the like it's a tough schedule that they have now i do believe that the schedule is friendly to them right based on the division matchups i do believe right. that I think overall, as I peel through this, I would tell you that they're about a 10 and six ceiling type of team, but maybe a seven and nine type of floor. Yeah. I think you could argue that them to win the AFC East is still probably the best bet because this is just a down division. Yeah. I do think this, though, and we have one team that's left to come, which is the right. New York Jets. We've all, we, we talk about this every single time, Dane. There's the surprise division winner, right? Buffalo, because there's always going to be, you're not going to have just straight repeats. Now, Buffalo winning the division is not a repeat, but they're not a surprise. Maybe the AFC East, and we've talked about it with the Dolphins. I'll be interested to see what we find from the Jets. I think one of the issues that we're running into, though, is they all have very difficult schedules. They, they do. They, they just do. Yeah, because remember, they play the AFC West and the NFC West. By my count, correct me if I'm wrong, we had Miami getting a six, New England mm -hmm. getting a seven, mm -hmm. Buffalo getting to nine, you know, and the, let's put it this way. The win total for the Jets is like seven or seven and a half, so they might be right there in the mix as well. I got to tell you something. One of the things Ryan said that I really like, that I believe in myself, I've told you this before, is the idea of the rookie running back ascending towards the second half of the season, right? Devin Singletary did that last year for Buffalo. Okay, in the back half of the season, you are imminently familiar that Miles Sanders did that last season for yeah. Philadelphia, right? And I think that is something that I can hang a hat on. He mentioned the fantasy playoffs, and so I got to tell you, my diamond in the rough for the Buffalo Bills has to be Zach Moss. Okay, Zach Moss, he mentioned it himself. If he's going as RB50, which he is right now as a bench player, I think... I'm going to have Zach Moss on a lot of my teams, okay? Mm -hmm. I've seen Gabe Morency. I've seen our old colleague Mike Florio, who's also a Bills fan, say that he is a little bit down on Devin Singletary. So when you put all that into a pot, there is a potential for Zach Moss to, you know, grab the brass ring and especially have that timeshare tilt more and more towards his favor as you get closer to your fantasy playoffs, I think RB50 is far too low for me. Zach Moss, a stud out of Utah, who you just heard Ryan say can be in between the tackles, is a little bit better than you think in the pass game, could get some of that short yardage action. For me, Zach Moss is my Buffalo Bills diamond in the rough. Yeah, I mean, to emphasize this, um, with the 
74th pick in the third round of the 2019 draft is where Devin Singletary was selected. 12 yes. picks later is where Zach Moss was picked. So the idea of Zach Moss... And Devin a, Singletary now is going as an RB2 in fantasy. So the idea of Zach Moss being a better running back than Devin Singletary might sound crazy. It's not, though. They were picked in comparable ranges. Right. And I would argue Zach Moss has more hype coming out of college than Devin Singletary did. Now, I'm not telling you that Zach Moss is going to be the lead back day one. But as Ryan was alluding to there, if we end this season with Zach Moss as more the lead back and or even just closer to a 50-50 split, yep. I, I think you might not only be finding your diamond here, you might be finding your Fugazi in this same running back room as well just because of the price on Devin Singletary. I, I mean, for another bit of context, I saw Devin Singletary with very high up on the board when we talked about rushing leaders. Okay, guys, mm -hmm. that lead the NFL in total rushing yards. Singletary right. was high up the board and i understand that you know some of that has to do with just what he was able to do from a yards per carry perspective and then expecting a lot more uh, carries i don't know maybe we should be cautious about the idea around how many more carries devin singletary will see it's going to increase dane but increase to the point where he can be an rb2 maybe not Right. So I hear you. I just think this is a little bit closer than people think. I will say this, though. You know, Devin Singletary right now at our partners on FanDuel, Kev, is 60 to 1 to lead the NFL oh, okay. in rushing. So it's not, you know, it's, it's, it is still something of a long shot. Talk to me about the wide receiver room. For me, Zach Moss is a diamond. I think your diamond is in the wide receiver group. Yeah, John Brown's a diamond for me. And I was thinking about this and, and pretty much Ryan drove this point home for me. Stefan Diggs is going to come in and be the most talented dude in the room, but he is going to command so many eyes. And here's why that's important, right? Because if that's all that mattered, then Calvin Ridley would get, would get more right, reps right, right, right. than Julio Jones. That's not all that matters. Here's why I think it matters. It's the skill set that John Brown brings, right? If they double focus up on Stefan Diggs, and I don't mean pure double team, but I mean, yeah. they put more of their attention Roll on the Stephon Diggs. Bit, right. The safety help needs to be on John Brown's side. That's the speedster. That's the guy he already has the rapport with. And now you're going to obviously give us the ADPs here, yeah. but I, I, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in assuming that Stefan Diggs is going ahead of John Brown. Yeah. So the fact that I'm going to be able to get John Brown after Stefan Diggs, and he might now, to mirror his production from last year, might be a bridge too far, but be able to maybe be more efficient in his production and still not have you're not going to be John Brown was like it was I know for a fact had to be a wide receiver two last year right had to be a wide receiver two last year based on last year's production and you're not going to be paying that price for this guy I, I think you're talking about a real diamond here in John Brown fair enough um just so you know for context and I'll bring up where John Brown was last year as well mm -hmm. but for context Stefan Diggs right now is going as wide receiver 25 um, so, you know, back end RB, uh, wide out two, high end, wide out three, uh, smoke Brown is going as 39. So there is a gap between them. And then listen, if you play the game on just taking the last one all the way down, Cole Beasley is 73 and in PPR formats, right. And the idea of the PPR format, that slot guy, the Jamison Crowder type, the Julian Edelman type, Cole Beasley does play that role. Wide receiver 73, that could be a little bit of a value as well. But it seems like you like Smoke Brown out of the three. Yeah, and I think what's interesting is let's just pull the Patriots, for example. If the Patriots are going to go, like, so they've got Stephon Gilmore, who they trust to single cover anybody. Right. So Stephon Gilmore gets Stephon Diggs. And then the over-the-top help does come towards a John Brown. John Brown was wide out 20 overall last year, by the way. Wide out 20. It, you're not even paying close to that kind of price. So, so now the over-the-top help is coming to John Brown. Maybe Cole Beasley does take advantage of some better matchups. I, I think all in all, this is a type of this is the type of team that is a fantasy herd. It's a week-to-week -week yeah. basis. It's tough to pin down. But I have to also – I just want to make this point, Dan, is we've gone through these teams because we've almost got them, got them all out of the way, okay? Almost, yeah. The wide receivers, just in general, for fantasy this year – Deep oh, is all hell. My God. That's why, Kevin, I said this. I think maybe – oh, you know what? I said it to Jared Smith on Endgame Live. I, I agree with you. And remember what we're also saying about the running back position, right? How the bell cows are evaporating and becoming fewer and further between, right? I'm going to tell you right now. And by the way, uh, Stefan Diggs was wide out 24 
last year. Okay, and he is going as uh, 26 this year with the change of scenery and all that. I think if you compound these two things together, Kevin, the running back market, and we've been talking about it, going more and more teams with like three-person committees, right? And how many true bell cow workhorses are there? Maybe eight, you know? Um, and you talk about, I agree with you, as we evolve to this passing league, right? We're, we're coming up with names who you're like, you're comfortable with. And I'm like, yeah, the wide receiver 24 or whatever it is. To me, what's crystallizing for me at least is I know you got to let the board come to you. But I'm going running back, running back, then wide out, wide out, wide out. That's what I'm doing, right? All things being equal, I'm going to go running back, running back, Get try to get two of those studs, right? Mm -hmm. Then in rounds three, four, and five, it looks like the caliber of wide receiver I'm going to get is just fine with me. And then in round six, if I wind up with an Evan Ingram or a Hunter Henry or one of those tight ends in that round range in round six, I've got my starting lineup. And I do think, because of what we're saying here, the wide receiver pool growing and the running back pool shrinking. I'm going running back, running back, Kev. Yeah, so I, I've mentioned a lot of times on here, the league that I call him with a buddy, yeah. we're coming off a championship. It allows us to pick our draft position plus right. the number one overall pick at that spot. So our plan is to go 12, and we'll decide between McCaffrey or Barkley or whomever we think it is, right? But we're on the turn. So you look at the wide receivers that can be there, because it's not just the wide receivers are deep. It's also top-heavy. I mean, DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, like all of these guys, one of, one of them should be available there at that turn spot. At the 12-13 turn? Right, and it's hard not to – like if I told you that you could start a draft with McCaffrey and Hopkins, I mean, it sounds crazy, right? But the thing is – Maybe, and I'm, and I'm, yes, I'm pretty much turning this into my own opportunity <laughs> to get fantasy advice from the spit and statistician. Got it, but like, maybe we're just better off getting another running back, whether that be, and I don't necessarily know the running backs that go in that exact range, maybe a Nick Chubb or someone you're like at the that. Turn, you're saying 12, 13? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think what you're staring at, honestly, I think you're staring at like Chubb, Jacobs, Aaron Jones. Your boy, Austin Eckler, you know, I think those are the people in the mix, right? If, if Chubb is RB8, yeah, okay, and then I'm going to say that the first 11 picks are eight running backs, three wideouts. That's fair, right? Yeah. So then you're staring at on the turn something like Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, right? Or, or, or Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, or, or uh, Joe Mixon, Kenyon Drake, right? And that's mm -hmm. the thing you want to do. And then moreover, I think the better part of this argument, Kev, is the next turn, right? Yeah. The next turn, you're still getting like, you know, Cooper Cup and Allen Robinson. Which and is just is where I think the value comes. We only have 30 seconds left, Kev. I mm -hmm. did want to push you. Are you going to take, like, the Buffalo Bills defense? Oh, interesting. Uh, you know, and they, they're a team with a schedule that's actually not all – they might be. You know what? I, I You know, looking through it, I could definitely see myself owning the Bills defense. I think yep. that's a good call. I can see that as well. Josh Allen is QB7. The rushing value is I'm an out interesting on that, point. Third reading rusher among quarterbacks. Will it happen? I don't know. We'll see if he gets that spotlight that Nate Burleson was talking about. That'll do it for us today. We pick it up tomorrow with the weekend edition of the early line. We'll see you then. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.